0: This is Breakaway, a women's soccer podcast covering industry events, emerging teams, and the latest on league developments. Welcome your co-host, Megan and Chase.
1: Welcome to Breakaway, a podcast covering the events shaping the world of women's soccer. I'm your co-host, Chase.
0: And I'm Megan
1: and today we are beginning a two-part series on the newest social media report issued by FIFA. But before we begin, Megan, icebreaker question. Are you a believer in New Year's resolutions? And if so, what is your resolution?
0: Um, yes and no. I have done some years where I do a tight like New Year's resolution. In others, when I don't like, one year I did only I could only buy one pair of shoe shoes the entire year.
1: That uh, was your resolution: only one pair of shoes you can buy. Yeah,
0: I was had that the it year out. that
1: you bought your red bottoms or whatever?
0: No, no, it was the year before that actually. And I did plan. I was like, okay, if you only can buy one pair, like you can get a nice pair of shoes, a.k.a. something over five hundred dollars, and. I had it on a sticky note in my mirror, on my mirror in my bathroom. And it was like one pair of shoes in 2022. And then it was like the other New Year's resolutions were like love people more and like like cheesy things like that. And, <laughs> so you
1: went from love people more to you can only buy one yeah, pair of shoes.
0: Self-control. <laughs> we were working on love and self-control. Okay, and yeah, um, that's
1: fair. I like that.
0: Yeah, I bought like a pair of white boots from DSW that year that I don't even wear anymore. And um, they're very pretty, but they're really high. Um, mm. But this year, my New Year's resolution is to read 50 books. And I'm almost, I'm like one third of away with my third book of 2024. <laughs> I forgot the year. <laughs> um, how about you? Do you have a New Year's resolutions?
1: Um. Yeah, they're not really like specific goals. I like to keep themes um so last year was the theme of like cutting out people that have like negative energy you know because that's exhausting and, you know I don't want to be around that and I'm a firm believer that the people who you surround yourself with are the people that you become so if there yeah. are people in my life that are energy draining you know making me you know become a person that I don't want to be Bye. I'm not gonna like cut you off but I'm not gonna give you any time of day like I'm gonna allocate my time elsewhere to people who are gonna better me and make me feel happy and energized and yada 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 so this year this year's theme is all about taking risks so this is my my risk on year whatever that means i'm not too sure but that's the underlying theme that's going to be in the back of my head if some really cool opportunity pops up that's risky we're going to take it because it's the risk on year
0: it's a big year for breakaway
1: it is a big year for breakaway so great things
0: Well, getting into episode one of our two-part joint episodes, we will dig into what we are going to talk about because we haven't told you yet. (laughs) As I'm sitting here, we haven't um, revealed that. So today and our next podcast will cover FIFA's social media protection services and their analysis from the Women's World Cup 2023 that was hosted in Australia and New Zealand this past summer. Um, So the Social Media Protection Service, also known as SMPS, um, was formed by FIFA, and this analysis that we're going to cover uses some comparative analysis to the Men's World Cup in Qatar, but its main focus is the FIFA Women's World Cup. So the dates that this data was collected was July 19th, 2023 through August 21st, 2023. So that entire time during the tournament. The data was collected across major platforms on social media. So that includes X, formerly Twitter. Fun side note, it's still Twitter on my phone because I refuse to update the apps. (laughs) But I don't use Twitter anyways. But um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. The service launched in 2022 for FIFA World Cup in Qatar and has been used at five other FIFA-affiliated tournaments before the Women's World Cup. Um, before we get into the raw data numbers collected, Chase, do you know why FIFA created the SMPS to begin with?
1: Yeah, so it was created after a huge online surge in social media abuse in specific comments, specifically from the UEFA Euro 2020 World Cup and the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations. So um, this brought up a huge upcry for something that needs to be done. And so this it's, it's more so like a it's a mixture of like an AI software and just like a human review process is what SNPS really is. And so from those events, this service was created by FIFA in response to having to now need to address the rise in basically just hate speech and abuse on social media accounts towards players, towards teams, towards refs, ex-players, things like that.
0: Yeah, and what's really cool about this in general is that not many other sports have taken this upon themselves to face the problem. And so we'll get more into what this program does, how it helps players, and what it has analyzed from the World Cup. But the raw data numbers collected there was 5.1 million posts. Um, analyzed and flagged through the software, 103,000 of those posting comments were flagged by the threat matrix AI and reviewed then by humans, 7,085 of those posting comments were verified as abusive and reported to the platforms that they were on, 117,000 comments were hidden on those five major social media platforms. And then 5,800 unique accounts were found um, sending abusive posts and comments. And then 638 verified identities have been linked to abusive accounts. So that's the raw data that were collected through this Women's World Cup. So let's look into um, what the monitoring and moderation of this program looks like. And I'm going to hand that over to
1: Chase. Yeah, absolutely. So as Megan mentioned, the the main team behind this report is the SMPS, which is a service that is designed to protect players, coaches, officials, uh, team accounts, even players who you know, they're, they're ex players, they used to play in the tournaments, they don't anymore. And even prominent figures in the media that are related to soccer. Um, and it does so through two main activities, which are monitoring and moderation. Monitoring is when FIFA actively monitors the accounts in, um, you know, monitors the feed that these accounts are receiving in the background, searching for discriminatory, abusive, or threatening content. And then when content is confirmed to meet any of the earlier, FIFA works with the social media platform to take down the content as soon as possible. And then there's also moderation. And moderation is this is a specific service that um, people can either opt in. Or opt out of. But what happens is the SMPS team monitors the feed that their accounts see in order to filter out abusive content immediately. So, effectively, what it does is that it prevents players from seeing bad posts when they log into Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media platform they're on. Um, and so, during the 2023 World Cup, 2,111 active accounts were covered across the five platforms that Megan mentioned earlier. And then for those who are really curious, those specific figures are 697 players and coaches with 1,805 accounts, 29 officials, so think of like refs, people who work the games, with 37 accounts, 32 teams with 202 accounts, 35 X players and media figures that have 63 accounts, and then four active tournament accounts. So, the SMPS has been in effect across multiple global competitions. As of this podcast, I believe there are eight, including this World Cup and the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And then across all of these competitions, so not just the 2023 World Cup, there were 6,019 accounts that were protected by the service. 2,901 participants and 143 teams were protected. Over 28,000 posts and comments were reported to the platforms through the service. 403,715 comments were hidden overall. And over 27 million posts and comments were scanned throughout this entire process. So it really puts into perspective just how horrible people can be online, unfortunately, and just how much hate speech there is out there towards these players. Yeah. Um, so the main goal is obviously to try to filter out all of this negative noise from these players, these coaches, these refs, so that they can solely focus on the game.
0: Yeah, I think, Chase, to reiterate what you went back to the goal of it, it really is to protect those teams and players, officials, fans, anyone involved kind of away from the hate that they see um, during those tournaments and the impact that it has on them. I think back to the 2019 World Cup documentary on Max, when you talk to those players like, Megan Rapino really was the only one that could engage with social media during that time and still put, mm-hmm. still perform um, on that big of a stage. Uh, but most players definitely need that, and even to Megan Rapino, I'm sure at some point, needs a certain type of privacy and of, um, you know, a shelter around them in regards to what is being said online during that high-stakes time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, So going into that, the key findings that they found at this Women's World Cup is what we're going to cover for the majority of the rest of the podcast. So I'll start off with some key things that stuck out to me in terms of the key findings, but Chase, feel free to chime in, obviously. They found that 150 players were targeted at the World Cup. Two teams stuck out the most, the USA and Argentina. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, the USA squad was coming into the World Cup, obviously, with being two times champs right before, which set a level of um, awareness for them. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I always think about like men's versus women's too. the fact that this came out like FIFA initiated this process um, because of UEFA in the African Cup, whereas the USA were the biggest target um, within the women's world cup, totally different. So to see that this thing that they made initially for um, the men's game is now being worked and utilized for the women's as well. Very cool to see. Mm -hmm. Um, The perception of the USA coming into this world cup within the U S specifically found them to be anti-American and unpatriotic is what this, the findings um, explained because they did not sing the national anthem essentially. So That was the biggest thing for the USA that got targeted. Uh, One Argentina player was targeted specifically for a scandal that Chase and I are having a hard time finding online. So
1: yeah, they kept it very discreet. So if anyone can find anything, please let us know. But we search pretty hard and we can't. We don't know which specific Argentina player it's referring to.
0: Yeah. And they do talk about one specific US player being targeted as well. Um, they don't allude to their names, probably probably for privacy sake, um, but me and Chase have our speculations. <laughs> one other key finding I found is political leaders, when they would comment, um, even encouraging words towards these teams, it spurred on a lot of more online interaction and most likely not, or in most circumstances, it was not good. So if... In our example, which I can very well see within American politics, when Biden would then support the women's team and say something for that, people would get really upset and then, you know, be posting about how can the president support something so unpatriotic. That's my conclusion that I made myself. I mm-hmm. also think they talked about it too in this article later on about. England's team um and how the royal family didn't come for the final and how that spurred a lot of online discussion as well
1: interesting I actually did not know that part
0: yeah and um so I even remember like during the world cup when it happened and I did find it weird I'm like your female team is literally in uh the final of the FIFA women's world cup and they didn't send anyone from the royal family I think Prince William um was on vacation with his family or something. And that's why he said he couldn't go. Yeah, I have my opinions on that. And I can see why people would post. (laughs) And then the last kind of raw fact um, that they found was one out of five players were targeted, which, you know, equates to about 20%. That is insane. Um, And to think that players specifically uh, were targeted that much, not just as teams, but as individual players.
1: So zooming out here a little bit, I kind of want to cover what are the what is the nature of a lot of the comments that were given out there. Um, so I, I summarized them and here's what I was able to take away from the report. So threats were given throughout the entire tournament. It wasn't just given at the final It wasn't just given when specific teams were being knocked out of the tournament. Um, maybe an exception is the United States because I know people were shocked by that, but in general. It was given throughout the entire tournament. And a lot of the comments were unfortunately sexually abusive in nature. Um, But it wasn't just the players that were targeted. It was also match officials as well. As you mentioned, Megan, one in five players were targeted during this tournament, which is just crazy to think about. And unfortunately, homophobia was horrendous. Almost double the amount of homophobic comments were made during the 2023 World Cup compared to the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And naturally, some platforms dealt with the issue better than others. A fact that I found was really interesting was where throughout the world these comments were coming from. And so the report provided a really nice landscape of, you know, the region of the world and showing like which parts of the world are producing the most comments. And unfortunately, 67% of abusive comments came from North and Central America, which, when I think about it, I'm not overly surprised since the United States, you know, our team came from there um, and there was such a big target on our team's back coming into the tournament anyways because of how successful we've been over the last couple of years um, and just with some of the more outspoken players on our team and the fight for equal pay that the U.S. Women's National Team just fought through, which is kind of a, you know, a landmark moment for women's soccer at large. A lot of teams are getting a lot of, more support for their fights for equal pay based off of the successes of the U.S. Women's National Team. So I think with being the world leader, it's just kind of a burden that you have to bear. But unfortunately, 67% did come from North and Central America. 6% came from South America. 21% came from European countries, 2% from Africa, 4% from Oceania, and then less than 1% were spread across the rest of the world. So now that we know the nature of these comments, Who they're targeting, where in the world they're coming from. I now want to pivot to investigating which social media platforms they occur on. At this point, you might be asking yourself, do comments appear on certain platforms more than others? Yes, they do. 100%. So let's dive right on in. So during the 2023 World Cup, as Megan mentioned earlier, over 5 million posts and comments were scanned on all platforms covered by SNPS. If you forgot, that is X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, So I'm just going to go over some key facts and findings, Megan, please feel free to jump in. There's a lot to cover in the section. So if I miss something, jump right on in. Um, But before I go in, I want to give a quick overview of how this whole process works. So SMPS scans the system using an AI tool and by system, I mean, all the all the feed that comes through on these different social media platforms. Posts and comments that are flagged by the AI software get sent to humans for additional review. And then from that review process, comments that are deemed to be abusive are reported to the platforms themselves. And those platforms are responsible for moving the posts. So SMPS does not do that. And this assumes that, you know, the comments meet all of the standard definitions of abuse that these platforms have in there. Um, Those really long Agreements that we all agree to when we make an account that we don't actually read but in this tournament Over 100,000 posts were flagged by the system, which went through a human review process and then from that review 7,085 of those comments and posts were verified as discriminatory abuse or threatening and reported to the platforms So out of all those platforms X formerly known as Twitter had by far the highest volume of identified targeted discriminatory abusive or threatening content yep. 6184 posts out of the 7085 that's like 85 percent 87 87
0: around 87
1: yeah that's just crazy and their initial takedown rates were only 39 percent, which is very low as a heads up when you compare them to these other platforms Although one that might be arguably worse than Twitter (laughs) is meta platforms because they have only committed to reviewing all the supplied posts and comments for consideration of takedown. They haven't actually finished the review yet. So basically they said, okay, any comment that has been made during this tournament or post-tournament, they will review them and get back, but they haven't done that yet. So a little disappointing, especially since between Facebook and Instagram, there were only 580 posts and comments so it shouldn't shouldn't be that hard i think to do that but i don't know what their process is Um, but one thing i do want to mention about twitter x whatever from the comments that were reported through their standard procedure when comments were escalated um so basically they didn't get an immediate response but the team thought that these comments were incredibly harsh and they need to get taken down immediately we need to escalate this issue takedown rates jumped up to around 95%. So takedown rates were good, but you had to really push Twitter. But some other platforms actually do a really good job of this and this surprised me a little bit. I would not have expected this from these platforms, but TikTok and YouTube were the two best ones. Um, They worked with the SNPS very smoothly and boasted really high percentage takedown rates between 80 and 100%.
0: It doesn't surprise me as much though, when you think about, I think TikTok is surprising. Um, But I think YouTube makes sense in terms of, you know, Google just has a better reputation in terms of working with the public. I mean, they're not perfect by any means, um, but I think compared to Meta specifically, um, Twitter, I think, too, is just like the wild, wild west of social media at this point in time. Um, Hence the, you know, great amount of num- like the great amount of comments that were just found on Twitter compared to uh, every other platform. Um, but yeah, Twitter is a mess with the news or sorry, X with what's his name? The Tesla guy. Why am I Elon blinking? Musk? Elon Musk. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's it's changed the landscape there. Uh, it's also always been more of a like an ebb and flow of what people are thinking, whereas Instagram and and uh facebook are more about appearances and and tiktok is more about creating so i think uh it lends to itself to that literally is a forum made for that um but it is encouraging to see tiktok and youtube take this seriously in terms of also reporting back to fifa unlike meta um (laughs) and to be able (laughs) to see these takedown rates from 80 to 100 percent that's that's amazing. Um I think of that one mean comment we got on our TikTok and that got taken down real quick. So um yeah.
1: it was like in it, a matter of minutes. It was crazy. Yeah.
0: It I mean it does like it does impact it for sure. Uh TikTok is um I would say to me thinking about it would be up there with Instagram and Twitter in terms of mean comments. So to see them them take it seriously is is really cool.
1: Yeah. I agree. So moving on to what actually happens to the people that post these comments, because, you know, there are people behind every single comment that's made besides the bots. But I mean, I guess people.
0: Yeah. Design the I... bots.
1: So there's, there's always a part. There's always a personal element behind all of these comments and posts that are made. So naturally, you might be asking yourself what happens to these people if they get caught a little bit of a gray area, because with FIFA. It's an international organization. These these comments are coming from all different parts of the world, and as such, there's no standard process for what happens to these people when they get reported and caught. Um, But law enforcement almost always comes into play. The SMPS created a sub-team to help deal with this. They call it the Open Source Intelligence Team, OSIN Team, um, which works directly with the platforms to investigate the account and the account owners. And that accounts get thrown into one of three categories depending on how much info they can find on who the owner is. So the first category is green. This is good. This means that the accounts that were identified, the owner has been detected with basically 100% accuracy. Like they are highly, highly certain that they know who the owner of this is. And in the 2023 World Cup, there were 628 accounts that fell here. The next level is Amber. And this is Still pretty good, a pretty high probability that the identification of the person who runs this account has been verified, but they don't have complete certainty. And 2007 accounts fall into this category. And then there is red, which is there is a pretty low probability of them knowing who this account is. They have an idea of who it is, but there's no way to prove it, um, or it could be multiple different people. This account at least gets suspended, which is good. So it's not just like, oh, we don't know who it is they got off the hook. Um, there are still consequences, just not as direct. And 3,570 accounts fell into this category. So when an owner is identified, their information is sent to member associations. So basically, that means like whatever club is overseeing, if, if the comments do come from a from a affiliated club or a team, those comments get associated to the overarching organization that manages that team. And then They have their sets and procedures that they follow when dealing consequences. Um, But with individuals, you know, regular everyday people, they will contact law enforcement in that area. And so then depending on the laws and procedures of the jurisdiction that the person resides in, they will face consequences as such. Yeah, yeah.
0: Obviously that depends on the severity of the comment. I'm sure (laughs) like they're not just looking at abusive comments. They are looking at discriminatory and obviously abuse is a pretty strong word, but yeah, there's anything that can
1: provide harm.
0: Yeah. So, um, it is cool to see that not only are they flagging these and getting them reported, but they want to take that extra step to identify who those people are. And I think it is a quite sad world that we live in that Um, people hide behind a screen and think they can say uh, anything and everything into onto these online platforms and think that they can get away with it Um, but there are real people at stake and so I think to to tie this up um, and lead into what we're going to talk about next time is again the goal of this is to protect players and to protect teams and coaches and officials and um, broadcasters and all even the fans so that We cannot um, see these hateful comments towards the people that we admire and that we cheer for and that we root for. And um, I think in our next episode, we'll cover, you know, who these targeted players were, uh, potentially events that caused spikes, comparative analysis, next steps and and monitor monitoring scope um, proactively in the future. So it doesn't end here. But I think, you know, to think about FIFA is taking this extra step. Uh, to mm-hmm. develop this and to invest in this, which is super, super encouraging to me.
1: Yeah, same here. And knowing that what you say online does have consequences, like you're no longer just protected by some anonymous screen. You know, I feel like there's a lot of negative hype around artificial intelligence, as, as there should be. It's, you know, it's the new technology, it's pretty scary. We don't know the repercussions of it. But being able to see it used in a positive application like this. Yeah. Is encouraging. It just gives me a lot of hope that maybe when people start to understand, like, okay, there are actually consequences to what I'm going to say, they will be less inclined to say those mean comments. So, yeah, um, hopeful that this helps reduce the amount of hate speech that's out there, but that's pretty wishful thinking. So, I'm not going to make that prediction.
0: And I will say, like, if I know Chase still needs to finish it, like, our listeners, you really should watch the Under Pressure documentary on Netflix and it really goes into the pressure, obviously, (laughs) Megan. It goes into um, just what the U.S. Women's National Team experienced at this World Cup, which alludes to uh, this analysis that was presented by FIFA. And also, I just have to throw shade at Infantino. As we're talking about hate speech, and I'm going to hate on Infantino, it is quite frightening that AI would be in the hands of him but it is cool to see what he's doing and i will give you snaps infantino for all the work that fifa has done on this social media plat or you know fighting the social media platforms for the hate speech and um really cool to see them protect the women's players in this way and i only hope that in the future it it gets better which i think it will
1: agreed well we'll end it there y'all we will see you next week for part two stay tuned (laughs)
0: Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate us and leave us a review. Your feedback helps us improve and reach more listeners like you. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Breakaway Podcast for updates on our latest episodes and behind the scenes content. We appreciate your support and hope you'll join us for our next episode.